We have really been putting our summer worker, Noah, to the task in reading some haunting scriptures over the past few weeks. So bless you, Noah, for your diligence in that task. Getting paid to read your Bible, though, that was all right. If you haven't been with us, a few weeks ago it was Ananias and Sapphira being struck dead by the Holy Spirit because they fudged the numbers a bit. And then today, Stephen, this barbaric stoning unto death, not by a reckless group of thugs and thieves, but by upstanding and probably well-known religious leaders. And so again, we say, this is the word of the Lord. (laughs) Why, Lord? Why? This summer series that we're in, in the book of Acts, is framed by Matthew Skinner's book, Intrusive God, Disruptive Gospel. Intrusive God, Disruptive Gospel, by Matthew Skinner. And I commend this book to you, but then... If you don't get around to the book, I recommend reading Acts as your summer reading. And be ready for some surprises, because I don't know how you feel about it, but my recollections about the book of Acts are always the good parts. And I forget the grisly, haunting parts of Acts. And so it's been fresh to read it anew with this is that really in there kind of way? And even a couple weeks ago, as Jeremy was preaching the Ananias and Sapphira story, I found myself reaching for my pew Bible going, what? That's really in there? So read Acts, because it reminds us of the roller coaster ride that the early church was on. They had a great run, of course. They were sharing their possessions. They were loving one another. They were sometimes adding to their numbers 3,000 people at a time. They were celebrating God's grace and goodness. And yet, there's these incredible, down, devastating, disturbing times for the early church. Yes, the Holy Spirit is turning the city upside down using this ragtag group of dock workers and fishermen. Astounding, astonishing the people. But they were also following in the path of a crucified Messiah. And the same forces, those same protectors who decided to kill Jesus were keeping their claws sharp and ready to kill those who would follow in the steps of Jesus. So we met Stephen Just last week, as the church was growing and trying to build infrastructure, they were trying to figure out who will do this, who will do that. Oh, no, we forgot about that detail. Who's going to cover that? All the while, we want to keep on telling this Jesus is risen from the dead story. 
And we want to care for the poor. We want to remember the outcasts and the marginalized as Jesus did. So we meet Stephen. He's described as one full of faith and the Holy Spirit. He's full of grace and power, doing great signs and wonders amongst the people. You've got to love that description of Stephen. But we also read that he quickly gets in trouble with religious leaders. They despise the way that he talks about the Holy Spirit. They're threatened by his power and his presence, and they gather other leaders and other dignitaries, and they begin this church court hearing so that they might put Stephen in his rightful place. The accusation? This man never stops saying things against this holy place and the law of Moses. We've even heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. Question, have you ever been to a church court council before? I don't know if you want to raise your hand and admit that or not, but if you have, was it a loving encounter? Church court council. I've heard some stories. I'm not going to share them, of course, but they're heartbreaking because we Christians become so mean sometimes, especially when we're trying to protect God's image. So back to the story. Can you imagine this council of religious leaders gathered in this meeting space? Maybe it's a a room just off the foyer of the local synagogue. They're looking intently at Stephen. Imagine that circle of leaders. Look into the faces of those leaders. Were there any smiles? in that circle of yours? In this circle, I can't imagine smiles. But there was a face of an angel. And Stephen, as we read, even in the midst of his accusers, displays this face, this angel face. And we don't have many angel face stories in our Bible, do we? And if there are angel face stories, they're rare. And they're often linked to transfiguration and to glory. And in this moment, this angel-faced figure begins to speak. It's quite the speech. It's sprawling and it's meandering. It's bearing witness to the work of God in the world. In the midst of a people who sometimes get it, but often reject God's grace and compassion. And in the end, Stephen brings it home with this fiery rebuke of these religious leaders. You stiff-necked people, forever opposing the Holy Spirit, you too have betrayed Jesus, the righteous one. You have received the law of Moses, but you don't keep it. Sadly, these Religious leaders do not respond with a teachable spirit. Instead, they bristle. They are enraged. 
they gather themselves together like a mob and they chase Stephen outside the temple courts. They drag him to the outskirts of the city and they hurl rocks at him. Large stones that eventually crush his skull and kill him. And as I said earlier, these are not thieves and bandits. These are religious leaders. These are tithe-giving, upstanding elders and religious professionals, pastors. So why? Why have these stories as part of the Acts of the Apostles? What might we learn from these violent events as we spend time in worship and word on this summer Sunday morning? I want to offer this phrase. Maybe part of the answer is for us to be careful and listen to the Holy Spirit. As we continue to walk through the chapters and the stories of Acts, we hope that an overarching theme that you will hear is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is speaking to the church. And the Spirit is pushing and shaping and energizing. Hopefully we can hold those words in our our minds and our imaginations. Pushing, shaping, and energizing. That's what the Spirit's up to 2,000 years ago and in 2022 at First Baptist Church and the church in the city of Edmonton, the church of the world. It can be such an exciting life of faith and joy and mercy and grace. Of course, it has growing pains, but we are called to be careful and listen to the Holy Spirit. And the reason why we ought to be careful and listen is because we're often, like one of our favorite hymns puts it, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And so that's why we gather week after week in this place as a people listening to the heart of God, recognizing that we're prone to violence, we're implicated in violence. We look around the world and the social media streams around us. We see violence used to get a leg up in the midst of overwhelming circumstances. Or we see a people and neighbors and communities relying on violence to protect themselves, and maybe they are acting out of fear or ignorance. We know we're implicated in a system of economic injustice where people respond with violence so that they can just try to get out of their dreary life. And we aren't bashing skulls, but we're caught up in a world where oppression and violence are the accepted common way, the way to control or to preserve or to silence or to survive. But as we're being careful, as we're listening to the Spirit, I want to offer a reflection question and then a quote from the Matthew Skinner book. 
might help us reflect on today's story. What are our traditions, our rights, that we insist on maintaining, even if they require us to eliminate someone in the process? I'll pose that question again. What are our traditions or rights that we insist on maintaining, even if they require us to eliminate someone in the process? Or you might think on it this way, and this is the Matthew Skinner quote, if our convictions leave broken bodies in their wake, or if our religious pursuits of values snuff out people's vitality, then we're almost certainly doing something wrong. If we leave broken bodies in our wake, if our pursuits of religious values snuff out people's vitality, then we're almost certainly doing something wrong. Broken bodies snuffing out people's vitality. Be careful. Let us listen to the Holy Spirit. Because when people die because status quo is being maintained, we know this is not the heart of Jesus. We know this isn't the way of Jesus. And so our way forward out of this story, this dark story today, is to keep our eyes on Jesus, to listen for his promised companion, counselor, the Spirit. And maybe we return to these opening comments said of Stephen. Stephen, who was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, full of grace, full of power, doing works of wonder. And how might we, as a local church, live a life like Stephen did, as we worship, as we listen, as we learn together? And I say together because we need to do that as a community of faith, a people who are helping each other cultivate grace and faith, being enlivened, enthused, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do works of wonder in a world so full of hopelessness and heartache. And so maybe we might pause and think about the gift and the grace we might be in the places that we will end up hanging out this week or being called to or sent to amongst family or friends or at work, or in the playground, home, hallways? How might we be gift and grace in these days? I think part of it is being careful, listening to the Spirit, praying the prayer we've already prayed in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. Oh God, deliver us from the evils of this world and also the evils and the violence that we find even in ourselves and in our communities. Let us be careful. Let us listen for the Spirit's voice speaking to the church again and again and again. This Spirit that is pushing 
shaping, empowering. And I want us to close with that refrain from our litany and maybe even holding up our hands as we say, keep us from picking up the stones. Can we say that together? Keep us from picking up the stones. Lord, keep us from picking up the stones.